All right, uh, before I get to my next guest, Tom Patry, uh, I want to remind you this segment of the show is sponsored by our good friends over at the PGA Tour Superstore. This segment of the show is brought to you by the PGA Tour Superstore. See why golfers everywhere are proud to call PGA Tour Superstore their golf pro shop. Visit them online at PGATourSuperstore.com. Now back to Chris and more of the show. All right, before I get to my next guest, Tom Patry, I want to give a shout-out to our friends over at Positive Vibes Golf. Check them out online at PositiveVibesGolf.com and give them a follow on Twitter, at PVibesGolf. Their head covers and putter covers, folks, are a unique way to keep your mind focused on positive thoughts and a great on-course training aid to stay positive and put positive, happy images in your mind. Check it out on Twitter, at PVibesGolf, or see them online at PositiveVibesGolf.com. And now back with me on the French Lick Resort guest line is my good friend Tom Patry. Tom is a Golf Tips Magazine Top 25 instructor. He's also the Director of Instruction at the Hawthorns Golf and Country Club up in Fishers, Indiana. And if you're anywhere near Indianapolis and you need help with your golf game, uh, you need to go check out Tom. Check out his website as well, TomPatry.com, P-A-T-R-I. So TomPatry.com, subscribe to his newsletter, get in contact with him, book a lesson, and uh uh He's a crazy Yankee fan, which, and there's nothing worse on this planet than Yankee fans. But, uh, you know, I always give an exception for Tom because he's an exceptional human being. But, uh, I appreciate you, Tom. Uh, time again tonight, TP. How are you? How did that series go last weekend, Chrissy? <laughs> How'd the series go the week before? Easy, TP. How did that, how did that series go last weekend, Chrissy? I got the broom. Not well. I got, I'm just I'm just I'm just doing a little dusting out here, doing a little dusting around the room here, <laughs> dusting it up. Yeah, I tell you what, the Red and Sox then, pitching staff, like Andy Lano was just saying, is just atrocious. Well, guess what? If you put the Red Sox pitching staff and the Yankee pitching staff together, it's still atrocious. <laughs> so I, I'm not, it really I is. I don't I don't, I don't I don't think we have four good starters between us right now. I mean, it's awful. No, it's awful. It, it really it's is. Awful. And you know, and then the and then the Astros going on getting Zach Greinke at the trade deadline. When you look at trying to yeah. face that stuff with you know, um, uh, with Cole and 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 Verlander, and you add Greinke to that, and holy smokes! But yeah, at yeah, least I'm, I'm, at least I'm like you know, like I said, going up to I'm going to Fenway and I get to have the experience, and and uh, you know, it's always fun just to be in the ballpark. So that's what uh, I'm looking well, forward to. Yeah, I mean, the best thing about Fenway next week when you go up there will be the hot dogs, so you'll, you'll, you'll be fine. <laughs> That's right. Unfortunately true. TP, I saw you recently spent some time with Damon Hack of the Golf Channel, you guys hanging out together. What's it like uh, spending a little time with Damon? You know, Damon, Damon's been a good friend for a long time. Before I go to Damon, though, i got to give a shout-out. My man Kevin O'Hara from Chicago, Illinois, today qualified for the Chicago uh, Mid-Amateur. I was up there watching him play today. Walked around with him, and he did a hell of a job. So I just want to give him a shout. I know he's listening tonight, and and I'm really proud of the way he played today. So good for him, Kevin. Go get him next week. But Damon Hack, um, Chris, and I, I don't know if you know Damon or not. He's he's one of the real gentlemen in in media. He uh, he's been a friend for a long time, uh, a student of the game, a stu- my one of my students of the game, and uh, he came to me basically as a relative beginner and. Uh, We've got him down somewhere in the mid to low teens now, and, and nobody loves golf more than Damon Hack. He's, you know, I don't know if you know about his history, but before before the Golf Channel, he was a a sports writer for Sports Illustrated, covered the PGA Tour and the, and the NFL, and then before that, he was a uh, a beat writer for the New York Times. He's got a pretty nice pretty nice resume. Uh, UCLA guy, 
West Coast guy, now converted, lives in Orlando, Florida, but just a wonderful man and came up here and we did a, a fireside chat for the membership and it was really well received. He did a hell of a job and uh, it was nice having him here. Tom, you give a shout out to to one of your students and now I talk about Damon also being one of your students. I want to I want you to give a shout out to one of your junior players, a guy that uh, a young man that I've been watching you teach and uh, watching some of your Facebook live broadcasts in the past. The young man Jack the Whack. I want you to give a shout out to Jack? one of your your uh, your junior students. <laughs> yeah, Jack. <laughs> Unfortunately, Jack the Whack had a rough weekend this past week. He uh he posted two rounds we weren't happy with in the, in the Met PGA Junior Championship. But he's a young man who uh, is now 13, um, Chris, and he came to me when he was seven. And nobody more passionate about the game as a junior than Jack the Whack. He's a wonderful kid. He's um, a three-sport athlete. He plays quarterback. He plays point guard. And he's playing golf. And, and the golf bug has definitely gotten him. And I, I, he's a really good athlete. So he's a little bit behind the learning curve, starting a little later than some kids competing. But he's made some progress. He broke 80 for the first time about a week ago in a junior tournament. He's all jacked up about that. Uh, I think I, I think this kid's a good, good enough athlete. He's going to figure it out over time. It'll be pretty good. Tom, tonight we've been talking. Sort of the theme of the show has been around the PGA Tour playoffs. We've got them starting up this week. We got the Northern Trust being played up in your old neck of the woods, right? Liberty National up there. Yeah. Not uh, right across the uh, right across the river there. So talk. About, do you ever get an opportunity to play? By the way, Liberty. You ever play Liberty National? I've been. I, I have. I have been to Liberty Chris. Yeah, I sure have. It's, it's a fun place. I mean, the uh, golf course is above average, but the views are spectacular. The city skyline. It's a, it's a very cool place, actually. Yeah. So your thoughts when you look at this, the, the 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 playoff system that we have in the on the PGA Tour. Good, good for the game, bad for the game. What are your thoughts about the the playoffs in general? You know, my my one concern just with the whole playoffs and a wraparound season, and you know the, the fourth major being finished in July. Um, but the, but in general, the wraparound season is, you know, are, are we going to burn these guys out? They don't have any time out. They don't have any downtime. They don't have any time with their family. They just keep, seem to keep on going now, twelve months a year. Um, and you know, we, and we watch back injuries increase in golf. We watch wrist injuries increase in golf. We, we watch general injury overall increase in golf. You know, with the speed of the golf swing and the distance the balls traveling. And now these guys are playing 12 months a year, and they don't really have any time to rest their body or rest their mind. And I, I'm concerned about that. I, I think the playoff system is exciting. Obviously, 15 million dollars will get your attention. I'm, I'm not sure if long term it's a good thing for the game and the player the player themselves, you know, I'm not really sure about that. Tom, you make, you bring up a really excellent point and that's around the injuries with the game of golf. When I see, you know, when I see guys that are roughly my size, I mean, the, the Justin Thomases of the world, you know, with the wrist injuries and, and that sort of thing, you know, swinging, you know, those guys swing out of their shoes. I mean, 125, 130 mile an hour swings for guys that are five foot seven, five foot eight, you know, 150, 160 pounds, swinging it that hard, and then, you know, with the divot that you're taking to get the spin that, that you're looking for and that sort of thing, well, it just it just doesn't seem like it's a recipe for long-term health and, and, and being able to play the game at the level that I'm sure these guys want to be playing it at when they're 40, 45 years old. Is, is, is that something that the game needs to really think about is how, how we're playing and how they're playing it with those fast swings and that sort of thing? 
Well, that's that's Chris. That's exactly my point. I mean, we watched JT go through an injury this year. We watched well documented injuries to you know to Tiger, obviously to Jason Day, and the, and the list goes on and on and on of these guys who've been hurt and 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 you know this half a season, this 10, 15 tournaments, or or you know you know going all the way back to the Frank Nabilos of the world who who blew their back out, and you know it's 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 pretty well documented now what's going on with swing speeds and injury. And then again, like I said, that you, you throw the wraparound season in there, no downtime and no rest for the body. Uh, Chris, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm very concerned about it. I'm, I'm really concerned about the, the well-being of this player and the longevity of each, of each career. It's, it's not, uh, I don't think it's a very good recipe. Tom, something that we've talked about in the past and something I'm concerned about is my boy Jordan Spieth. And every time I start to think he's he's finding something and he's turning a corner, you know, last week when he opened with rounds of 64 and 67, he said, all right, he's in the mix. Maybe he's starting to come around. Third round, he shoots 77 on Saturday. He misses the 54-hole cut. He's driving it out of bounds a couple of different times in those rounds. He makes three double bogeys on Saturday. To, to me, Jordan Spieth seems lost. If you were his instructor, what would you tell him to do? Oh. You know, I, I think I, I think we watched a lot of players come out on tour who are not power players per se. And by the way, I think Jordan Spieth, when he came out, was one of the best drivers of the golf ball we've seen in a long time. He had a really good combination of of driving the ball, both you know, adequate distance, not not overpowering distance, but adequate distance, and drove the ball relatively straight, and was a really nice iron player. And early on, we heard we heard the media, and we heard him himself talk about the need for more distance and obviously things have gone sideways. Uh, you know, I, I think the problem, the problem with being his coach is it's sometimes when you go down that road, it's really tough to come back up that road. I, he's, I think the young man is very much right on the fence right now of, of falling either way. I mean, I, I could see him recovering and getting it back on track, but I could also see him falling off the fence the wrong direction and we never hear from him again. Literally, literally never hear from him again. We've watched, you know, we watched Ian Baker Finch do the same thing. You know, look, look for those 15 more yards and he was a player in Baker Finch that was on his way to being one of the, you know, top five players in the world and literally, you know, couldn't find the, couldn't find, forget the fairway, couldn't find the golf course. Um, Jordan Spieth is at a very, very critical juncture in his life and in his career right now. And, and it's it's a very, very, very uh, troubling time, I'm sure, for him. And, and I think he is, Chris, just like you said, I think he is very much lost. And, and, and I I question what they've tried to do with his golf game or where they've tried to go with his golf game. To that end, TP, you know, for to your point about, you know, trying to get that extra 10 or 15 yards, he and I don't know. Maybe it's it's just my how naive I am about you know what what it's like to be out there on tour. You know a million times better than I. But to your point, I mean, he was a guy. I mean, he, he you know driving the golf ball, you know, two ninety three hundred. I mean, he's never he was never going to be Jason Day. He was never going to be you know up there with DJ and and those guys driving at three hundred and forty right. yards. Right. Is this is this a guy trying to get out of his lane? Because some sort of you know, hey, I gotta I gotta be a three ten three twenty guy if I can compete. Because I think his competing was how good and creative he was with his short game. Your big thing to me, and how how right. great a putter he was. Right. So 
So obviously, like I said, he came out there as a pretty, I thought a very adequate driver of the golf ball and a very accurate driver of the golf ball and a good iron player. And it's funny, as, as things start, start to fall apart, you put pressure on different parts of your game. So now he's missing fairways, now he's trying to recover, now he's not hitting a lot of greens. Now there's a lot of pressure on a good short game just, just to make, forget to compete, just to make cuts. You know, and, and it's, it's almost like a cancer because it works backwards through the game. Um, you know, I, 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 you know, you look at a guy like Tom Kite in his career who never drove the ball very far, but understood how Tom Kite played the game. And Tom Kite never tried to change Tom Kite. And he played pretty nicely. I mean, he had a lot of money out there, won a lot of events, won a major, had a very good career. Um, Jordan Spieth in 215 drove the ball in play, hit a lot of greens, and when he didn't miss the green, he had a wonderful short game. It was a very well-balanced game. It was it was not a flashy game, but it was a really functional, really efficient game. And, and he has definitely lost his way. Tom, last time, kind of going in the opposite direction, we talked a lot about the new young guns that have burst onto the scene. That was sort of on the heels of Matthew Wolf getting his first win and only his third or fourth start out on the tour. Since then, we've seen Colin Morikawa get his first win at the Barracuda Championship. Victor Hovland is a guy that's been near the top of the leaderboards, finished fourth last weekend in the Wyndham Championship. And what strikes me about these guys, and, and a lot of people are talking about this with respect to these guys coming out and having no fear out there, playing amongst the best players in the world, coming right out of college and feeling like they could come in and win, and they're doing it. And to me, that is, that's different than the way it used to be. But like I say, you're a guy who played out on the tour and you've been around golf for, for many, many years. Is, is this a different sort of air to these guys that wasn't like that back in the seventies and eighties? Or was it always there? We just didn't hear about it as much. Well, let's, let's be, let's be, let's be factual. I never played the PGA tour, but I, I played a little bit overseas and, uh, and, and, you know, and played what was the beginning of, the predecessor to the uh, web.com tour, which is not a Corn Ferry tour, I played some events on that. What was what was really a experimental tour by the PGA Tour back then. But I mean, Chris, the big difference now is, you know, when I got out of school and, and turned professional, there was one mini tour in this country. It was called Space Coast. It was in Orlando, Florida. It was the only mini tour in the country. And other than that, which played during the winter, during the summer, you had to scrape and scrounge and, and drive millions of miles in your car to find an event to play in, whether it was a state open or an independent event of some kind, and really had to, you know, kind of ragtag your schedule together. These kids play AGAGA, AJGA golf at a very high level, very well-organized events, 54 and 72-hole events. They play, you know, every PGA section house a really well-run junior tour um, within their section. You know, there's a plantation tour. There's a, there's, a, there's there's five different junior tours that are you know playing pretty high level golf. As a matter of fact, I don't know if you saw this last week, the PGA National Junior last week, the winning kid shot 21 under. Um, wow. <laughs> when the P, PGA National Junior Championship shot 20, one kid shot 60 in this, I believe it was the second round. I mean, there were 62s wow. and 63s posted throughout the tournament. So. That's not even college golf. That's junior golf. Now they go from there, they go to college golf, and they play at an Oklahoma State, they play at the University of Florida, they, you know, they play at the University of Texas, you know, or University of Southern California, UCLA, or Stanford, and they're playing against the best of the best in four years of 
these junior players who have already been well seasoned as juniors, sure, by the time they turn pro, they are fearless. They they have they have shot low numbers. They've done it under pressure. They've done it on a regular basis. They've traveled. They've understand the, the rigors of traveling. You know, I, I had to learn how to travel. How to how to you know build a schedule. How to how to make a plane flight. How to how to get from one event to the next. These kids have been doing this since they were. 13, 14, or 15 years old, um, you know, I think I think back in my day, more guys lost their card after they got it, not because they didn't have a golf game to sustain and play on tour, but the rigors of playing on tour, the travel and the coordination that they didn't have any training in overwhelmed them. These kids are not overwhelmed anymore. They're so organized. They have they have a sports psychologist. They have an exercise physiologist. You know, the, you know they're. Their college coaches really groomed them as to how to play and how to be organized and how to practice. You know, they're they they're not fearless. They're not fearing anybody. I mean, we watched Matt Matt Wolf make an eagle right on top of Bryson Shambo like it was like he had his eyes closed, like he knew he was going to do it. These kids are ready to win right now. Tom, talk about confidence, right? Because sort of you know dovetailing off of this piece. Talk about, you know, when you're working with the young players, your junior players, and, and getting them prepared to go play in some of these AJGA and bigger junior events, how do you instill confidence in them so that they don't fear being out there and being in the competition and people starting to watch them for the first time and, and that sort of thing? How do you build them up? I, Chris, I think that's a great question. I mean, I, I talked to as far as my, my friend Kevin in Chicago today when he was playing in this, this mid-amateur qualifying. And Jack DeWack, as a matter of fact, Jack DeWack is a kid who's, you know, doesn't have a lot of confidence right now because he doesn't have a lot of experience. It's funny how as you get more experience, you get more confident, you know. Um, I think it's a process. I, I don't think you can skip steps. I think a lot of guys try to skip steps and they try to force things and they think it's, you know, I think they're, they're going to lean on their mechanics and that's going to get them through. Mechanics are fine. But as a, as a competitor, uh, and understanding how to play the golf course and how to, how to strategize the golf course and how to remain calm on the golf course and, and understand that, listen, in golf, during your round, there's going to be adversity. I mean, nobody tees it up and it's eight, you know, 14 fairways and 18 greens. That's just not the way it goes. Every round, I think, for the high level competitor has two to three critical junctures in the rounds. There's going to be two or three instances in a round where, you know, the way you deal with that critical juncture and the way you respond to adversity during that critical juncture is going to determine how you play that round and how you turn the corner in, in any given event. And I, I think that comes with experience. I, I think that, you know, you know, Freddie Couples at, in 92 was a lot better than Freddie Couples in 1984 at the Tournament Players Championship um, and, and allowed him to do things at Augusta that he hadn't done before. I think that, you know, you, it's, it's like climbing a mountain. There, there's steps you have to go through. There's no skipping steps and there's no, there's no substitute for experience. Tom, for our listeners in the middle part of the country, this has been your first season as the director of instruction there at the Hawthorne's Golf and Country Club there in Fishers, Indiana, just outside of Indianapolis. Remind our listeners about your golf school, getting in touch with you and how they can improve their games for anybody that's even remotely near Indianapolis. Well, Chris, Indianapolis is just about over now, so I'm more focused on talking to people about Naples, Florida, which will start for me this year on, on November 13th. You'll get a good laugh out of this, Chris. I have to leave Indianapolis uh, 
sometime in, in early to mid-October and drive from Indy to New York because the old pro has to have cataract surgery and oh and he, and, and he tore the meniscus in his left knee. So I'm going up to have two eyes, two eyes done on my left knee. I'm like the bionic man. They're going to put me back together in New York in, uh, in, in early November. Early November. And then I'm going to get my old ass in the car and, and drive myself back to Florida and get a little bit of a late start at my TP Golf Schools in Naples. Probably around November 13th, I'll kick off the winter season. Um, so anybody who wants to reach me really now, really wants to focus on Naples starting in, in mid-November. And, you, you know, as you know, Chris, they can get me via my website, either TomPatry.com, and then certainly a presence on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. So there's a lot of ways to find me. It's not really that hard. I'm at the Esplanade in Naples, Florida. So there, there's a whole bunch of ways you can find me if you, if you want to. Tom, it's always a pleasure having you as part of the show, my friend. I always look forward to the every other week when I get to spend some more time with you. It's always fun. It's always informative. You are absolutely the best, my friend. I can't thank you enough for coming back and joining me again tonight. Chris, I, I love coming on with you. I, I love what you do and how you mention the troops every week and how you think about those people that are overseas. There's so much, uh, so much a part of our fiber and sticking up for us around the world. And, and, and we should recognize, always remember those guys and, you do a great job of the show. Un- unbelievable array of guests you bring on. So many talented people. Andy Lana was an old friend of mine from 100 years ago. And uh, I'm glad he's on with you, too. And uh, Gail Graham. And, and the list goes on and on. So, Chris, thanks for you do for golf. I appreciate you, TP. Take care, my friend. We'll catch up again real soon. Thanks, pal. Good being with you. Bye-bye. See you, buddy. That is the great Tom Patry. P-A-T-R-I. TomPatryGolf.com is his website. You can sign up, you can get lessons, you can send them videos, you can do all kinds of things with TP to, uh, to, you know, get your game to the next level. And, uh, some of the things that, uh, he talks about on this show and some of the things that I'm working on, like I say, Tom has hammered into my head for the last several years about short game, short game, short game. And, uh, you know, quite frankly, when I go out to the range, about 90% of my time, thanks to Tom and, and the things that A, he's taught me, B, the things he's told me. Uh, and drilled into my head. I'm, I'm hitting, I got a wedge or, a, you know, I got some short game, you know, club in my hand. Um, from an eight iron down, that's where I'm spending 90% of my time. And then probably 80% of the 90%, um, is with a wedge in my hand. Because that's, you know, if I'm gonna, like you heard, uh, earlier with, uh, with Perry French, right? 65% of the game is played from 125 yards in. So that's where I'm focusing my time. And, uh, that's where I think we all should focus our time. You know, the last couple of shots, I gotta, I'll get out of driver just to say I did and, uh, warm up and then go play my round. But, um, Tom's a great stru- instructor. He's a, a 10 times better human being, uh, than he is an instructor. <clears throat> Pardon me. And, uh, I can't thank him enough for his time. We look forward to catching up again with Tom here in a couple of weeks. All right, folks, time for me to put a bow on this edition of Next on the T. Again, want to thank my guests. Harry French, Andy Leno, Tom Patry for joining me. And folks, um, you know, we couldn't do it. We wouldn't do any of this without you. So I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your night to come back and be a part of the show and making sure that we are a part of your golfing content. Please check out our website, nextonthetee.net. There you're going to be able to see what our guest schedule looks like. Plus, uh, we link back to our page over on Podbean so you can stream or download any of our archive episodes. It's all for free 
on that site. And we're also on so many other great apps. We can't thank our, our supporters at Spotify, iHeartRadio, Audioboom, Player.fm, our new friends at Launchpad DM. Go over to LaunchpadDM.com if you would and click on the subscribe button. We'd really appreciate uh, that to help propel us up to uh, Podcast One and that great uh, podcasting site. So we'd appreciate your support there as well. And if you have questions, folks, you look at our guest schedule and you've got questions for someone who's been on the show in the past or someone that we've got coming up on the show uh, again soon, please let me know. I'll be glad to get that question answered for you. We'll get it right on the air for you if it's uh, a guest coming up or we'll get the answer to you if it's uh, for somebody that's been on the show in the past. Again, thank you very much for tuning in again tonight. Until next week, hit them straight, my friend. It's all about